shall rejoice and be glad all the time. Amen. No sad days are uh, ordained for us. Even though trouble comes, it's not ordained that we be sad in it. Amen. It's ordained that we rejoice because our answer is here. Our redemption draws nigh. You know, we obey the word, your redemption draws closer and closer to you. So I endeavor to obey God's word. Not perfect at it, but I'm working on it. Amen. So we just want to continue to work on those things that encourage us, build us up, and make for a better uh, relationship with God, better results in our lives, better results in our prayers. God is a results-oriented God. Amen. He wants good results all the time, so we thank him for that. So, Father, we do come to your throne. We thank you, Lord, for being our God, our maker, our creator. We love you and honor you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all flesh and nothing's really too hard for you. We honor you today, Lord. We lift you up and magnify you because you are worthy to be praised, adored, glorified, and magnified. So we thank you, Lord, and we bless you for what you have done for us and are doing for us. Even now as we speak, you're doing more and more for us. And we honor you and we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to address uh, that we need to hold fast to our confession of health. Amen. Yeah, hold fast to your confession of health. Once you begin to believe God for something, the Bible tells you to hold fast or hold tight, hold on to with everything you've got to your confession and not change it because the Bible says if you waver, don't think you're going to get anything from God. And a changing confession is a wavering confession because we begin to confess from two different kingdoms. If you're confessing God's word, you're confessing out of the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God. But if you begin to confess what you see in the natural, then you're in the kingdom of darkness. Amen. And so darkness is temporary. Amen. It always is. Now think about it. If, if, if the sun goes down at night, you know, darkness comes, but in the morning the sun comes up again. So there's time for dark and light in every life you could say, but darkness really is temporary because light's more powerful. See, when when darkness comes, it's because light moves out of the way. But when light comes, it's because it chases the darkness out, dispels. See, darkness really is the absence of light. You think about it. The sun goes down, it moves out of the way of visibility. But Light is always more powerful. Amen. Always more powerful. And so what we have in us by God's kingdom is light and life. And so when we begin to uh, confess out of God's kingdom, we confess from a a more powerful arena, I guess you could say, a more powerful place. And what is happening when you have dark situations in your life, things are not according to God's word, things are kind of upside down in your life, what is happening is darkness has planted itself there 
and it's trying to make itself permanent and immovable until we challenge it with light. And for a while, it seems to us that darkness is more powerful. It looks like it's winning. Amen? Because it's been there for so long in some things. You know, you think about how long something's been like this and how much, you know, and all that, and you start adding it up and you think, well, whoa, what's the, what do I do? What's the remedy? Well, little do we know that light really is a more powerful force. Just because darkness has been there, it doesn't mean it's more powerful. Huh? There are people that may come and, and live in somebody's house because th- that owner's not there. But when the owner comes back, they have power of eviction, right? Huh? They talk about possession being nine-tenths of the law, but the other tenth belongs to God. Amen? And he can evict somebody out. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Take a long time for you to get ownership of something if you don't legally own it. You know, it can be done, but, but, you know, it's, it's not the principle. So what's happening with darkness is darkness is the, um, uh, I guess you could say the, um, the trespasser that comes in because something's not really occupied with something more powerful. But darkness trembles because it knows that at any moment God's power can come and evict him and bring light into a situation. So like with your our physical bodies, disease knows that it's a temporary commodity or a temporary state and it just is on the lookout always for somebody who's going to try and evict it. And and what sickness does then is it begins to make a play for permanent status in our lives. Amen. It starts to masquerade. It starts to bounce around. It starts to try to mess your head up. starts to get validation, all of that, simply because sickness knows that its days are numbered. Amen. The Bible says Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made an open show of them, which means that if you, if you believe that, that this was an actual happening because Jesus did go descend into the lower parts, the Bible says. He led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. But also while he was leading captivity captive, he took everything away, stripped them from all of their authority, their power, everything, because he paid the price for, for man's dominion back in God's kingdom. So we never lost dominion. We just were working it through the wrong kingdom because Jesus hadn't paid the price for us to get reestablished. It's interesting. You know, the Bible says that Satan lost his first estate. We too, but we got it back. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So he double dog jealous of that. 
It's like, how could we get everything back? We obeyed him. We turned on God. We did everything wrong. And then God reestablishes us. Not only that, but Jesus made an open show of him stripping the devil of everything that he had stolen from us. Amen. I think the open show was that he did it right in front of the devil, all the saints who were in paradise. He did it in front of every single spiritual force that tries to work against us so they know they don't have it. But they're under orders to deceive us and trick us into thinking that they do, that they can do us some harm, that they can do us some damage. And so their their thing is deceiving us into not using our dominion authority for God's kingdom against them. So this is why you get the head game every time you set out to do something for God. This is why you, you get this mental warfare every time you move against the kingdom of darkness, every time you step out and and believe you received your healing when you prayed, every time you make a move to take back what the enemy's stolen, don't ever think you're trying to get God to give you anything. That's deception number one. What you're doing is taking back what's rightfully yours from the thief and the destroyer. What we have is already given by God. There's there's no disputing that. Amen. You look at scripture in, in the 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 tone of voice that the epistles are written in is is that it's already given. It's already done. Paul will say things like, ye who used to be dead in trespasses as in are now alive. So it's affirmative what he says. And all we have to do is say yes and amen to what he's already telling us we are, what we have, what we do. So if we agree with that and affirm it, it's because we believe it is rightfully given to us and already given to us. We're not waiting on God to feel good about us to give us something. Amen. He's waiting on us to feel good about him to believe it. Amen. Amen. So that's why a lot of our stuff has not been received yet. We won't know him. He waiting on us. We just, we just waiting, 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 waiting. Huh? The devil loves to keep us in mystery about the things that God has freely given. So in Hebrews chapter 10, if you'll turn there, we're admonished here in some things. To admonish means to just cause people to be alert and watch out for these things. So in Hebrews 10, we we start probably in 19. He says... Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now he talked in the the previous uh, portion of scripture about the sacrifice and the offering that was made for our sins. So when that offering's made, if we, we receive that offering, we accept it, 
He says, therefore, you have boldness. That means you don't think there's anything between you and God anymore. You're not reluctant to ask for anything. You're not reluctant to use your faith to believe what the word says. Many times, you know, you have to check yourself because if you're quick to diminish what God wants to give you, you know, he'll say, good measure, press down, shaking together, running over. If that puts your mind in a spin, then there's some reluctance there and lack of freedom that we have to believe the word fully the way it's written. Got me? And, and so then that will be a, 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 a task for you to make sure, you know, God, I just keep cutting back on what you want to do for me. I keep saying in, inside of me somewhere, that that's not really what I want, that's not really possible, that you understand what I'm saying? And so we have to check ourselves that there's not some condemnation hanging over our souls, you know, something where we feel like, well, you know, I can have enough for today, but I don't really need all of, you know what I'm saying? That thing about diminishing the goodness of God, that's what we're really doing. He knows why he promises us stuff. He knows why he wants to bless you, even if you don't know why. And you know why really isn't important. You ever see somebody homeless sitting around and they beg for something, you give it to them, they never ask you, why do you give this to me? They take it and run on off with it. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's what we need to do. Like the homeless thief or whatever. Just run on off with that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. We need to cease questioning our merit. This is what we do. We question, why am I getting this? Like, I don't really deserve anything. Well, you'll never deserve it. It's called a gift. We need to learn how to be gracious and receive the free gift of God. Amen. And so he says here, therefore, since you, therefore, now where remission of, of these is, there's no more offering for sin. So in other words, you can't offer up your good works. You can't offer up your obedience. You can't offer up your deep study and all this kind of stuff. You have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, not on your own merit, but by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, then but since we have a high priest who paid for it himself, full price, his own blood, he said, and we got boldness to enter in by the blood, then we can come boldly because it has nothing to do with us. That word boldly really means confidently. You're not trying to get bold against God like he's trying to keep you out of there. Let's step out of that mentality. He said, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Not halfway faith, not maybe faith, but full assurance of faith. Sometimes we just need to meditate on stuff like this and say, well, God, if I'm not there yet, help me get there. I like the sound of that full assurance because I don't like wavering all the time. I don't like 
mistaking what you mean when you say certain things or trying to minimize it because I'm small and you're big. I got to remember to take me out of this and just allow you to be who you are. See, if we get out of the way and quit trying to merit, earn, feel good about the fact that we have certain blessings and all that, if we get out of the way, then we can see the goodness of God. Amen. You'll see more of the goodness of God. And then you you will be convinced that God is a good God. Amen. So he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. That's that conscience that diminishes the promise. I don't have to have all that. That's not necessary. Well, I'm, I just want my bills paid. Maybe he wants to give you something for next month's bills in advance. Maybe he wants to give you a raise on your job. Maybe he wants to do exceeding and abundantly. That's full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled with the blood from an evil conscience. That means a conscience that diminishes God. A conscience that tells you there's something wrong with you still after you've repented and been cleansed by his blood. And our bodies washed with pure water. That means you can do right things now. You don't have to keep messing up and being afraid you're going to mess up all the time. Let us hold fast. Grab it. It's like, you know, the wrestling terms. You know, Paul uses athletic terms here and there. It depends on who he's talking to. He know how to work with you, honey. And back there, the you know, the um, Olympic Games and, you know, perfect body form and all that stuff, you know, you could tell by the statues that were carved and paintings that were done, the human body was glorified. And they sought perfection in it. And to prove perfection, they would have contests to see who was the, the strongest and who was the the um, uh, more powerful. They they what they call Greco-Roman wrestling, which was a a wrestling. It's more similar to what we would see, like uh, not WWE. That ain't really wrestling. That like entertainment. But but you would see high school wrestlers where they get in an arena and they latch on to each other and pin each other. and Well, that's what Paul's referring to. He said, when you make your faith confession, you've got to grab onto it and hold on to it and wrestle the enemy down so he doesn't take it away from you. Amen. And he says, and hold it fast. In other words, there are no illegal holds here. There's no illegal moves when you fight the devil. You got me? You just pin him down and hold him down and make him give your stuff back to you and leave it alone. So he says, hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Because you don't need to waver. Because God's faithful who promised it to you. So all he's expecting of you is to hold tight on that confession. Don't waver. Don't change your mind. Don't change your confession. Don't speak out of one kingdom one day and another kingdom the next day. Always speak out of God's kingdom. If you feel the urge to say something, 
that you see in the natural just bite your lip and refuse to speak it until the crazy thought passes your mind. Amen? And the thought will pass. (laughs) It'll definitely pass. So he says, because we can hold fast to the profession of our faith because God is faithful. You don't have to change your your confession because he's faithful. This has so little to do with us as far as performance is concerned. You know, if you begging for more money, he know you're going to waste part of it. Now I got Mormons sitting up here. Don't don't sit up there and say, God, if you give me this, I'm gonna do it. no. Sometimes you need to just ask him to cause your tongue to stick to the roof of your mouth so you can't sit up there and overextend yourself. You'll be doing good just to stay in faith for it. Hold fast to your profession because he's faithful. Did say anything about us being faithful? No, we hold fast. He's faithful. Amen. Just don't let it go and don't change it. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and the good works. Amen. It just just encourage one another to love and good works. In the meantime, while you're trying to waver and get all confused and crazy, spend your time doing good works and, and being an example before other believers. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Got me? Some people love to be absent. Amen. Somebody called me one time and said, Pastor Barb, uh, can I not come to church today because I got to do so-and-so? I said, no. Do I speak English all the time? Well, a little bit of tongues, you know, when it's appropriate, but I said, what kind of, what kind of pastor would I be encouraging people not to come to church? Huh? No, never. You want to make excuses, make them directly to God, but don't make them to me. Because I'm going to tell you there's a way to get here. (laughs) You get everywhere else you want to go. Well, I got some Uber coupons. Huh? I see all them Ubers going through the drive-thru and all these little restaurants and stuff. So you mean you get an Uber to go through a drive-thru? But you want an excuse not to come? No, I'm not giving you one. You get no hall pass up in here. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. See, that's what I do for all the Facebook preachers that don't want to open their church because they're scared. <laughs> I exhort them. 
so much the more as you see the day approaching. If it was approaching back then, it's definitely approaching now. For if we sin willfully after coming to a knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. That's why it takes backsliders so long to see the light. Some of them never do. You know, they have to get a deathbed return. You know, God lets them get so sick or so out of sorts, and then he'll deal with them so they don't lose their souls. Amen. But there's a fiery looking for judgment. You you mess up enough. You're scared of the saints. You're scared of God. You're scared of everything. Amen. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant whereof he was sacrificed an unholy thing. They don't acknowledge the blood or appreciate it. I was watching somebody talking about pleading the blood. Well, there's no scripture for that. I said, "Uh uh-huh. There's a lot of stuff you ain't going to find written in black and white. It's up to you to dig and get help, get God help you figure it out. Huh? There's so many of the old saints back during the Azusa time were healed by pleading the blood. Amen? That's your, that's your answer in the court of accusation. When the devil makes you sick, and tells you you can't get better because you did X, Y, and Z. How do you think people who have had AIDS, who have had all kinds of socially, uh what do they call them, social something diseases? Yeah, socially transmitted. I don't know what's so social about that, but, you know, they always trying to cute up. We used to call it venereal. You know, now it's... It's some kind of social thing, like you just went out with somebody and caught something. Am I too old for this life now, or I just was being social? Of course, I guess that is social to some people. I don't know. So he says here, it, it's, where am I at here? I'm in, uh, sure punishment 30. For we know him that hath said, vengeance belongs to me. I will recompense, says the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So in the midst of this though, he tells us to hold fast our profession of faith. Amen. It says here in verse 35, don't cast away or throw away your confidence. When you change your confession, you are throwing away your confidence that God is going to do what you believe you received when you prayed. Remember that? Yeah, he's still going to do it. He doesn't care how much time has gone by. He's Because it says he's faithful. In verse 23, faithful is he who promised. So he's faithful through your ups and downs. He's faithful through your doubts and your fears and your uh, circumstances have changed and 
all of that, he's still going to do what he promises to do because he's faithful. The Bible also says when we are faithless, he still remains faithful. So you can say, I don't want that no more and try to walk away from it. And he's still faithful because he can't deny he told you he was going to give it to you. How's that for a God who pursues us with goodness and mercy? So don't throw away your confidence because it's going to give you great reward. You hold on to your faith in God for whatever it is you believe in him for. And he has great recompense of reward. But you do have need of patience. You're lacking something. If your mind is bouncing all over the place, it's because you want something in a hurry. And you're kind of cleaning out the old cobwebs to see if there's something decent in there. It's like, I was in my basement. I don't go down there. I said, a lot of places in my house I don't go. I say, oh, this is the basement. Interesting. I don't go upstairs. Uh-huh. I go on the deck. Sometimes when the weather's good, come back in. My little room's down there, and I'm cool. So I went down the basement, and I was forced to go through some things because we had this big dumpster out in the yard, so, you know, anything that wasn't good. And I would look at stuff and say to myself, ooh, I haven't seen this in a long time. And then I say, if you ain't seen it in 15 or 20 years, you really think you need it? So out in the dumpster, amen, all our little old memories go out in the dumpster because you find out you've been living very well without a lot of old crazy stuff, amen? But you have need of patience. After you have done the will of God, that you might receive the promise. Not just might, but you will. Amen? You'll receive the promise. You definitely will. What is the will of God? Whatever he tells you to do. Get your mind off of what you want him to do. He's already told you he's going to do it. So you don't have to keep focusing on it, wondering, wondering, wondering. See, that shows lack of patience. But when it says you have need of patience, what that means is that patience already resides in you. You just need to yield to it now. Get out the flesh. There's more than one fruit of the Spirit to yield to. In fact, there's nine of them. You yield to patience with a meek heart in a contrite heart, and then God will put you on the road of really doing what he wants you to do with your life. If he can tear us away from being so concerned about natural things, what are we going to eat? What are we going to read? What are we going to wear? Jesus said, in your life more than, I mean, isn't there more to your life than food and clothing? Huh? Our little designer stuff, you know, designers come and go, but there's only one God, you know, for me and for you. Amen. So after you've done the will of God, he wants you to get the promise for yet a little while and he shall, and he that shall come will come and won't tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. 
Amen. He wants us to live by faith, hold fast to our profession, whatever, or confession, whatever we have professed before God. He says, you hold on to that and I'll come for your confession. Amen. I'll come for your words. And so this is your safeguard against wavering. It's your safeguard against losing out of what God's promised you. I can list you a ton of people I've started out believing God for things in their life and just walk away from it. And it's still waiting there. Amen. If they ever want it, God will definitely give it to them. So healing is a fact. Amen. And God tells us to hold on to the fact that we are healed. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says that. It says here, who his own self bore our sins in his own body. So there was a bodily torment paid for sin. That's your taking away your pains. Amen. On the tree that we being dead to sins, because he paid for sins in the body, we are dead to them, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So if you were healed, that makes it really not a promise. Right? It's a fact. So when you accept healing, you agree with the fact that you are healed. You were healed. You have a state of health on the inside of you. What about symptoms? Glad you brought that up. Amen. Anything that's not a fact is what? A lie. Symptoms are. See, y'all scared to say it. Say it. A lie. But, 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 but nothing. I called him a lie. Amen. Now see, it's not going to just say that in the word. That's for you to meditate on the fact that you are healed so you can figure that out for yourself. It's called meditating on the word and making it come alive in you. See, because when you come alive to it, that's, that healing seed starts to explode on the inside of you, which is what the devil doesn't want to happen. That's why he sends symptoms to keep you distracted. But what about, but what about, but what about? Then he'll send other stuff upsets in your life to keep you focused in the natural. You ever notice that? It's like, God, what do I beat up first? You know, now the sink is overflowing and the, you know, dog don't like me no more and can't find the kids and, you know, all that. It's just a lot of little stuff going on to distract you and keep you over in the flesh. And then you can say, well, I got a headache from all this stuff. Bingo. 
See, his job, he keeps, his job is to keep us out of the spirit. If we can stay in the spirit, you can hold on to what God, what, who you are. You can hold on to the facts of God's word. You can hold on to that. I remember back in the day, people would say, oh, I'm healed. I'm just waiting on a manifestation. You know, that was a common thing, religious spirit. It's amazing. Religious stuff gets 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 around faster than truth. You ever notice that? But healing is a fact. It was given by the finished work of the cross. If it's already given to us, then it's not something that's promised. You got me? It's given. Now we have to hold on. So your job, when you are confessing the word and you are wrestling with negative thoughts and you are wrestling to consider not the symptoms and all of that, you are wrestling to hold on to the fact that you are healed. And you're going to have to stay focused on the things of the spirit in order to make that happen. Because you let go and you will be considering, well, what about this? And what about, and when is this going to leave? And when am I going to get rid of that? Amen. That will leave. It has. You have to hold on to what he's given you. And that's how it leaves. If it takes me two hands to hold Miss Avis's purse and she's trying to get it back from me, if I let her take it back, she says, well, that's my purse. And I said, well, I don't care. It's been given to me. This is what the enemy does to us. Because she had it first and she came in here with it. She thinks it's hers. But God says it's mine. Huh? Just because the enemy possesses some 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 uh territory in your body, that don't mean it's his. God says your body belongs to him. Make the devil quit and leave you alone. Amen. So when we understand our covenant and what we have then we'll hold fast. As you mean to tell me I'm not trying to get God to take this off of me? Uh, no. He bore your pains and carried your soul. He took it already. He ain't taking it again. Uh, it's a finished work. That's what finished means. Once and for all, it's done. And he even sent you a memo about it. Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2.24. So we all got the memo. So your healing is not a promise, it's a fact. Well, what am I believing? You're you're believing you're going to receive it. Amen? Believing you're going to have it. It may not, you may still have symptoms and it may not all be here yet, but when you hold fast to your profession, you will have what you say. 
So, so even though it's not all here yet, it's developing. It's on the way. It's being strengthened by your confession. What your confession really does is it confronts anything that's not like it. We're talking about healing right now, but anything that's not like the word of God and doesn't line up with the word of God. Your confession confronts it. Now, see, this is something we don't like to do. Amen. You know, some of us are a little feisty and, you know, you do that too much in the wrong company, you get popped in the mouth. So we learn early, you can't confront everything that you think is wrong or you think you're not supposed to have in your life. But see, now in God's kingdom, that's the only way you get anything is by confrontation. So you got to go right up in the face of pain and right up in the face of a bad diagnosis and said, I'm healed anyhow. I am healed. I don't receive this. I don't have this. I have stripes to prove that I'm healed. I'm not having this. Devil, you take it back. And then you begin to feed on the word to give God something to work with to supplant what what the enemy is dug and put in your life, put in your body. I don't care how long you've had it. Amen. Longevity means nothing. Diagnosis means nothing. You know, some people get all caught up in the name of stuff. You know, now they got the WebMD. And you got these miniature amateur doctors running around. Well, you know, I have so-and-so and such-and-such. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, it, it's the symptoms are this and that. And they can recite the whole WebMD rundown on it. Amen? You try to take that away from them. You try to take their toy away from them. Well, you know, God's word says, What you Huh? They tear you up. Cause they got something. Highfalutin. Incurable. You can't touch it. I had to go to 15 specialists to get this put on me. It's just a name. It's just a name. Got me? What they're doing is exalting a name. There's nothing more real about it than that. Symptoms run after names. They called us Huh? They call throat cancer. Let's go. We got a place where we can hang out now. Got a name. They named us. (laughs) 
See, Jesus is not scared of names. Huh? That's why the Bible tells us his name is above every name. Above means it's higher in authority, power, life, and light. So the name of Jesus superimposed on cancer causes cancer to shrink back and diminish. You know, if you, cancer, I curse you in the name of Jesus. Tumor, I command you to shrink, shrivel up, and die. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who shed his blood so that you have to leave my body and I receive my healing and I command you to loose me and let me go in the name of Jesus. You think that thing is just going to sit there and do nothing? He don't have no choice but to get up and go because his name has been pushed down by a higher name. Amen. So Jesus has him pinned down. And as long as you can continue to thank Jesus for the fact that that tumor is dead to you, cancer, you're dead to me. Amen. You have no life in me. You're not going to kill me. I'm dead to sin and alive to righteousness. Righteousness is chasing you out of here right now. Your diagnosis is irrelevant. I don't care what they call it. You know, in Deuteronomy 28, it tells you in every disease not mentioned in this book of the law. Remember, people, now listen, people are eager to receive stuff out of fear. Remember this new Rona, COVID, Corona? They have a name for that and everybody's scared of it. I mean, the devil keeps people scared of nothing. If it was nothing without a name, it's nothing with a name. It's still nothing. But see, he want to tack a name on it so he can start speaking that. Put fear in the people. So now the medical community is split. Most of them think it's a normal flu after all. Huh? There are some people that had undue reactions to it, severe reactions to it. But because I believe it was mostly fear-driven. You see something people hype up so much. This has been hyped up more than any other thing that's ever come down. Why? You ever think why? What's different about this? Then they get you ready for round two. You're going to meet Rona with round two the same way you met her with round one. You're not receiving her. Amen. Anybody called her here? We don't get her. She don't get us. We can't get her. She, she can't get us. No, you whip out your Psalm 91. Huh? 
No plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Your confession declares the truth that you adhere to. You are healed. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22 tells us that we take the word as medicine. Your symptoms are merely a visible remnant of your old man. Remember that person you used to be that died on the cross with Christ? Well, there's remnants left. huh? You know, prone to sickness, prone to depression prone to weakness, infirmity, all of that kind of stuff. It's from iniquity. Amen. And there's still sin that lives in our members. And so we're prone to the enemy attacking us because we still have weakness. You got weakness in your soul. There are some things, you know, people have been told all their lives, you know, uh, if so-and-so runs through our family. Huh? Well, he stops at my door. Amen. He ain't running through. He ain't running up in nothing. Huh? He Maybe you let him run on your side of the family, but he ain't running up in here. He'll run into the blood over the doorpost, over my soul. Amen. <laughs> over my heart. But he gonna, the blood is going to tackle him down. Amen. So when we take the medicine according to Proverbs 20 to 22, my son, attend, pay attention to my words, not your symptoms. Incline my, your ear to my saying, not what the doctor told you he can't do for you. Like the woman of, with the issue of blood took her 18 years to wake up. So what we're taking, what are you taking the medicine of the word for if you're not sick? You're taking it for that visible remnant of the old nature. That's still, but you ever have a, a, a somebody you, you didn't get along with and you still have something in your heart against that person or they their name sends you up the wall, you know what I'm saying, or they dare not call you? Huh? That's a remnant of the old nature. And that's what, what sickness can feed on. And that's why you meditate on the word to drive that out. You're driving out the remnants of your old nature. Symptoms. Anger is a symptom. Anger at certain people is a symptom. All those are remnants of your old nature. That's not you no more. Because the Bible says you're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Like your great-grandmother passed away, dead like that, graveyard dead. Amen? You got it. Your old nature's in there, too. Huh? Your old life is in there. But we got remnants. It says we renew our minds. That's why what you meditate on is so important to your health. You can make yourself sick by thinking wrong. Dredging up old stuff, dredging up old stuff. 
you know, sometimes old stuff just need to slap you and say, would you quit getting me up out of my grave and leave me alone? I was dead to you. So we take the medicine of the word for the visible remnant. Amen. So that we can be made whole and have peace. As long as there are visible remnant of your old life, you're a little disturbed. In more ways than one. You know what I'm saying? So when we take the, the word, the medicine of the word in our ear, that healing seed is planted in our spirit. And the the blood, the new blood of Jesus is what nurtures it in our hearts. Your heart's not hardened anymore. It's not beat down anymore and compacted where it can't feel anything anymore. There's new blood surging through us. There's new blood coursing through our our spirit, our spirit man. Your your new blood is spiritual blood. Amen. It's a, a spirit commodity. And so that word gets planted in your heart where it can be nurtured, it can be made powerful, and it can overgrow the symptoms that are still left in your body. So what we're doing when we plant the word in our hearts, the healing seed that we plant in our hearts by meditating on it, you begin to press it down inside of you. And yeah, you're going to have some goofy thoughts here and there. You're going to have some days where you feel like quitting. It's a long, man, it's taking a long time. I don't know when it's going to be. I get rid of this. I get rid of that. God will encourage you enough with new growth to keep you from giving up totally. He's so merciful. The Bible says, first the blade, then the ear, then the full ear of corn. So the blade is is sometimes a little tempering down of the symptoms. Maybe you go to the doctor if you have to go there and they your blood work cleared up. You know, it's, it's there's this isn't in you anymore. And then you get you get evidence. What what God doesn't want you to do is get satisfied with partial. And that's what many times we do. We get satisfied with a little bit of something, but that should encourage you to get more, to get the whole thing. Well, God, if I got that, show me how to get the rest of it. I'm on the right track to get the rest of it. Amen. I want all this stuff to leave my body. My body belongs to you. I want it to feel good all the time. Amen. And so when when we think about it like that, we're tending our garden. You got to keep putting the word in because the enemy's cooking something up. Trust me to get you distracted from the word so that you can go back down his row again. So you stay in the in the holding fast. At the end of the day, Jesus, I thank you that I'm healed. I don't care what kind of day you had. I thank you that I am healed. You hold that's what holding fast to it really means. Even though healing is a fact, there still is a promise component to your you're getting the rest of your healing. You understand what I'm saying? Getting it in the natural. Getting rid of all that old remnant. What is promised to you is in Mark 11, 24. Or 23. 
it says, if you will speak to the mountain to be removed and cast in and not doubt, then you can have what you say. You say you are healed and it begins to manifest in total. Amen. Indeed, in spirit, soul, and body. When you plant the healing seed, it's planted in your spirit. I received my healing. I am healed. That's your spirit. Your soul goes on a vacation, wants to think about other things, don't want to get in the word. Big mistake. So, so your soul is what's going to tip the balance between whether your spirit dominates or whether that old flesh continues to feel uncomfortable, to register symptoms, to register on an x-ray, to register on a scan, to register, you understand what I'm saying? So you, t- what's, what, what your soul meditates on makes all the difference in the world. You can't afford to have a day of doubt. Because a day of doubt can really cost you. Because what that means is that you didn't really wrestle that thought down and hold on to your confession. Now, you didn't say anything, but you sure thought a heap a lot of stuff that's not healthy. And it's not true. Meditated on the lies of the devil. Well, what about this? What about that? What about, hmm? what about your blood work? Well, if you heal, how come you still got this? And how come you still got that? Hmm? So that's what this wrestling is for. It's to challenge that natural thought that comes with the word of God, because it's challenging the truth of the word of God. It's putting up a fight within you for your body. And you got to win this so that the word of God will manifest fully. Yeah, your spirit understands it. Yeah, your spirit's always healed because it's born of the incorruptible seed. There's nothing wrong with anybody's spirit in here if you're born again. You got me? And so what you want to do now is cause that healing seed to grow and overgrow whatever it is that's challenging you health-wise. And if you keep feeding it, it'll grow. It's up to you to keep feeding the healing seed that God's planted in your heart, that you believe you receive healing when you prayed, amen, and you accept First uh, Peter 2.24, that you are healed and you defy the enemy to take it away from you. Devil, you can't make me turn on God. You can't make me change my confession. At the end of the day, I'm still healed. I don't care what you did to attack my body. I don't care what kind of pain you put on me. I'm still healed. Romans 4.12 and you get an understanding of how to get a miracle. I mean, how to get it to manifest totally. Oh, Romans, Romans. 
father of our faith. Uh, it's not 12. I just made up 12. It's really 21. I know. It sounded legit, didn't it? Y'all was looking for 12. Wait. Hey, hey, hey. Whatever. Okay, we'll stay awake now, cheerings. Come on, stay awake now. Amen. So here we go. Verse 13, for the promise that he should be heir of the world. Could you imagine God telling you you're going to inherit the world? Was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Thank God, because that means we can get it too. For if they which are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void. Because a promise is made of none effect. If it's by faith, it's to everybody. Because everybody can believe. Nobody's left out. Because the law works wrath for where no law is, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. By divine favor. By the divine influence on the heart. See, favor is not favor unless your heart's been changed. Or God would give it to everybody. I had a situation come up one time. I probably told this before, but it seems appropriate here. I had some neighbors that in Detroit, um, they've been trying to have their pool made prepared for their son's graduation. They were calling all kind of pool companies and nobody could come out, nobody could come out. And so she was telling me about it and I said, well, do you want me to pray for you? Yeah, pray for me. You know, she got off the phone and so I prayed and she called, next person she called had a cancellation and came out and got the pool, the pool prepared. After they got the pool done, she said it wasn't done right. She made a big stink with these people, tried to refuse to pay them because the people she had called that turned her down showed up after these people completed the work and criticized her. So she took the word of the people that couldn't do nothing for her against the people that did. And the Lord said, that's why I don't give sinners favor." Because they don't know how to receive it. He said, that's why I surround my beloved with favor as a shield. I surround you with it because you know what to do with it. Huh? He said, I can't bless sinners. Most of them don't recognize the blessing. You understand what I'm saying? And I asked her, I said, how is it all of a sudden everybody's showing up? Well, he told me, and she went on and on. I said, well, okay, I won't do this again. When I asked God about it, that's sure what he told me. Amen? So favor is something that belongs to us, children of God, sons and daughters of God. Amen? Because you can't place it on everybody's life. So because it's a faith, it's by grace. It's the unmerited. See, when you believe God, then the grace comes into your heart to do that discreet thing that you're asking him to do. It's not grace over everything.
when it came to Abraham as the promise, it meant that promise was covered by the grace of God. So he had the grace to receive a child when he was past age. He had, it didn't mention he got this, he got that, he got that, and he had grace. He could just run out and get anything he wanted. It's discreet. It's for certain things that you have in your heart that you believe God to do. You can't say, God, just give me the whole world today and have the grace to receive it. You wouldn't know what to do with it. And so God, look how long it took God to get him, get Abraham and Sarah prepped to hear him correctly to know what he's promising them. Abraham goes out and he says, oh, yeah, they go put their heads together. Bad move. Against God. And they have a son that God cannot make their heir. So it takes some time to get the person, the vessel, in the position to hear clearly and understand precisely how to obey God. And then finally it dawns on them, oh, that's what God means. But now they both so old, they got that against them too. And pretty soon you figure this out. Hmm. God doesn't need my help. When he said, all I have to do is believe, he really meant that. I thought he meant believe and do something. Cause sister so-and-so who's real spiritual told me, oh, that faith stuff, not that, not this. If you really want something from God, you gotta not just believe, but you gotta do this, do this, do this. Put you right back in works again. No grace. You don't get nothing there. So he says here, <clears throat> As it is written, he says, I have made you, I have made you, I have made you. I've done this already. Abraham finally heard it like God said it. God never told him, I'm going to make you anything. He said, I've done it already. Once I make up my mind to do it, I don't change. Once God announced to you, he's made up his mind about it. He's not in the discussing stage. When you find it out. Because if he is, you try to make him change his mind and make it like you want him to. You understand what I'm saying? Add your little add to's in there. And he says before God who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. So if, if it's not visible, God still sees it there. If it's not totally complete, he still sees it, sees it there. He doesn't care what stage it is in. It's real to him. Because he has our riches laid up for us out in glory where it's visible to him all the time. You ask God for a car. And he says, well, I have your car. And you say, I I believe I receive it. And then you go around doubting and God's looking at it all the time. He's wondering what's wrong with you. He said, why does she stay in my presence where the car is with me and her spirit can pick up that I'm telling her about something that really exists, that's real, 
and she would quit doubting. But we go off and do something else, talk to somebody else about something they didn't get from God. Or the devil asks you who you think you are. He calls those things that be not as though they are because they are where he is. They're not where we are, but they are where he is. Because he's looking at your car every day. He said, I shall be glad. I got to make room for some more stuff. I shall be glad when she get this because all this other stuff she want is backed up behind the car. And she won't give me enough faith to get it. Because one day she wants it, the next day she don't. One day she's confident, the next day she's... But see, you got to get car faith before you can get faith for everything else that's backed up behind it. That's why you can't quit on car and jump over and get something else from it. Because you're going to get it in the order you ask for it. But this is the key. You can't think about everything. Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. Too old. Sarah's too old. So that was against hope that they believed. You believe against natural hope. You have to turn your a deaf ear and a blind eye to natural hope. Too old. And it says, he was not weak in faith. So now we got an indication of what not weak in faith means. It says, he considered not his own body now dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's strong faith. We have that. We're heirs of his faith. We have that same faith. You can forget about what the doctors say. You can forget about the pain. You can forget about what they told you your chances are of getting 100% recovery of all of your limbs and all of your head and all of your mind and even your heart. Huh? You have to consider not certain things. In other words, certain things don't don't merit your thoughts. They don't merit your attention. Anything from the devil, I don't care where it, it's lodged. If it's lodged in your body, if it's lodged in your bank account, it does not merit your attention. It says he considered not. So when you put down the equation, for how to get how to get rid of my symptoms and walk pain free symptom free clean bill of health from the doctors if you add up speaking the word meditating on the word confessing the word worshiping god once you get through that list you don't have time to consider any symptoms that might pop up So just X them off of the equation. He said he considered not his own body. 
His faith was so strong, it didn't cross his mind. At some point, you know, if you starve a thought, it'll extinguish itself because you show no interest in it. As long as you show interest in it, it'll linger. But if you don't consider it, Lord, help me not to consider things that don't fit into the equation. Help me not to think and meditate and make these thoughts strong when they come to threaten me. Help me not consider and then want to call somebody on the phone to help me out in the natural. You got me? Hide all the numbers of my accomplices. Seriously. Lock yourself in to the closet of God. Lock yourself in to productive meditation. Lock yourself in to feeding that healing seed on the inside of you. Lock yourself in and shut everything out. Turn the TV off. Say, God, I'm not going to even be distracted by news because it ain't new. It's just run over and over again. Same old, same old. But this is how Abraham got the miracle. He considered not everything that was irrelevant to where he was going. He didn't think about it. If it crossed his mind, you know how thought can be just just running across. And then you go, grab that look interesting. I'm going to think about that for him. No, he didn't do that. Nothing outside of, of, of what God promised was interesting to him. That's where we have to get. You can't be interested in the devil's minutia because you can't let him take you off of where God has you going. You're on your way somewhere. You're on your way to receive the riches that are in glory waiting for you. And you're on your way to more power in God because once you receive that in your spirit and the faith for it begins to manifest in your life, You have power to wreck the devil. That's why he's always planting ideas. Oh, you got to do this. Oh, you got to. You just can't believe one time and and then just expect God to do something. Watch me. Huh? Watch me. And yeah, you water your seed. You water it with reading the word every day. Healing is a children's bread by the word of God. Take your daily dose of of healing bread. Get your word out by his stripes. I am healed. I was healed. I'm still healed. I'm not distracted. My body is a temple of God. Satan, you can't set up housekeeping in there. You crazy? Holy Ghost, run him out. Run him out with your word. Run him out with your power. Make him leave me alone. Call on everything you got going for you. Your diagnosis is irrelevant. Quit talking about it. Quit thinking it. We're under a higher authority. The Lord told me something. He said, my people keep committing spiritual perjury. It's giving false testimony under oath. Your promise is sealed with what? An oath. So we're under an oath to God that we've received what he had for us. When we confess what it looks like and feels like in the net, we're committing perjury. Lord said, you lying under oath. You swore to me that I was your Lord and your king. 
You received my life inside of you. You're sworn into this oath. Quit lying under oath. And take your healing. Take it all. Don't let the devil put words into your mouth. Make the devil a liar for a change. And run him off with the power of God. Amen? All right, we'll stop. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding given us by the powerful Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Your word is everlasting. The devil's words are temporary. They're from a temporal world. We want what's everlasting in our life. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God, maker and creator of all things. You know how to fix it if it's not right. You know how to plant new life in us. Father, we thank you for new life coming into to our lives. Thank you for new souls coming into your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for new help. Thank you, Lord, for new energy, divine life, divine purpose. Everything for us from the kingdom, nothing from darkness, everything from light. And we thank you and we praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Miss Donna, you all good back there? All right, get up and walk on a little bit by me. Yeah, it's all good. The more you can stomp on the devil's head, the better it is. Praise God, praise God. Yeah, just keep thanking God as you walk and you're healed as you go.